to the 20th episode of our podcast series for advisors considering the independent space. Today's episode is the choreography of a move to independence with Schwab's Tim Oden. I'm Mindy Diamond, and this is Mindy Diamond on Independence. This podcast is available on our website, diamond-consultants.com, and on wealthmanagement.com, as well as iTunes and other resources. In our last episode, we talked about the growing trend of non-protocol advisors making the leap to independence and what it really takes to do so when you've got a list of obstacles and risks far greater than most other advisors coming from protocol firms. In this episode, I'll be talking with Tim Oden, a leader for Schwab Advisor Services, who is passionate about educating investment advisors on the benefits of independence. Having worked in the financial services field for more than 30 years, Tim has a deep understanding of this space, especially the growth, scale, and margins that advisors need to meet client goals and to run an efficient independent practice. We'll discuss his viewpoint on the breakaway movement and, most notably, the increase in the number of ultra-high-net-worth-focused advisors we're watching make the leap. Tim has a wonderful perspective, and so I'm excited to jump right in. I'm thrilled that you're here with me today, Tim. Minnie, thank you very much for the opportunity to be able to join you on this. always like talking about the business with you. Thank you. Tim, tell me a bit about the role that Schwab plays as custodian and I guess how it differentiates itself from the other major players. As you know, Schwab's been in this uh, business for quite a while. We think of ourselves as a pioneer in the RA industry. We launched the predecessor to our advisor services unit about 30 years ago. And so we feel like we've got a lot of experience and knowledge in servicing the advisor community. We have more advisors who work with us, more assets entrusted to us than any other custodian in this space. And so we think that gives us an advantage, both because we understand what advisors are looking for, and we can build the platform specifically to answer the issues that they brought up. And so for us, that comes into a couple different key areas. First, we try and provide that strategic guidance and insights, whether that's practice management, our events, insights, expertise, things like our benchmarking survey that comes out every year. That's a critical part of our platform. Obviously, the technology piece, whether that's client technology or advisor technology, critically important that we are efficient as we grow this business. And then finally, we really do see ourselves as having a role in the advocacy of this space, influencing when and where it matters, whether that's in Washington or with helping to create the next generation of professionals through our internship programs and so forth. That's how we think of ourselves and how we think we're different than the competition. Yeah, and what's so interesting to me is how I, well, how I see the world of custodian in general has changed. It went from being just about safe asset custody to really about being a partner to an RIA with respect to all the things you're talking about. And so that's a good segue to another question. The world in the RIA space has certainly changed in the last decade. How do you see it? What factors do you think influence this tremendous expansion and complete validation of the independent space? Yeah, it's a great question. It certainly looks different 
now than it did, shoot, even five years ago. But if you look back 10, 15, 20 years ago, it is hard to see how we got from there to here. But a lot of factors kind of conspired to get us where we're at, which is in just a tremendous place. You can't get where we are at, which is beyond, to your point, beyond basic safety and security of assets, which is the entrance into the game. If you can't control that, you haven't got any place to build. But the ecosystem of support available to independent advisors, well, whether that comes proprietary solution like from a Schwab or from the larger solution of providers that have entered in this space, really means that advisors no longer have to accept a one-size-fits-all solution for how they establish their business. And so that creativity allows them to be able to build their own business the way that they think is appropriate for their clients and for their own passion in this industry. So they get the best-in-class solutions across product and technology, advice. That wasn't possible a decade ago. There wasn't enough options. But as we've grown, more people want to get into this space, more providers want to get into this space, and in doing so, create better solutions for everybody involved. But, you know, it strikes me for as much as it has changed, there's some components that have not changed even from day one. When we started advisor services in 1987, it was driven by one single thing, and that was the advisors were looking for flexibility about how they serve their clients and being able to put their clients' interests first. It was the foundation of the movement. And so today, much like 30 years ago, those independent advisors that are entering into the independent space are seeking efficiency, sure, but a conflict-free way to serve their clients. That stays the same. So, Tim, I have my own theories about what's driving the number of breakaways, the traditional brokerage firm advisors moving toward independence. And I would say it's about a desire for freedom, flexibility, and control. So one, do you agree with that? And then can you share some statistics with us about how Schwab's custody business has grown over time because of this incredible trend? Sure, you bet. First of all, I do agree with you. I think that is indeed the case. But, it's, you know, it's interesting, Mindy, because when we look for an answer to that question, what's driving it, it's hard to generalize why, because each one of these advisors seems to have their own specific circumstances they're trying to solve for. But when you look across the broader group, certainly some themes emerge. For most, it's the flexibility, being able to determine the product and service mix they feel best serves their client needs. For others, it's the entrepreneurial dream, right? They want to build their own business. And, and they speak about the passion around being able to do that. So that's interesting to us. Our role, obviously, is to try and understand what's driving them. Well, you know, everybody is coming to, the, to our doorsteps with different needs and different desires and different motivations. It's up to us to try and figure that out because that determines what solutions we might provide them. But you asked for statistics, and it's interesting because we often look at advisor services a little bit as a proxy for the health of the independent industry. Maybe that's an advantage of being the largest in the space. But look back over the last five years. I'll give you some examples, Pro, uh, just 2012 to now. 2012, we served roughly 6,800 RIAs, representing just over $1.1 trillion in assets. That year added about 200 new advisors to the platform. And our total net new assets from both new and existing clients was about $55 billion for that year. So let's fast forward. Let's move that to 2017. And you get a sense for kind of the leverage and the volume increases and how we're starting to get that acceleration. Today, we serve 7,600 RIAs that represent over $1.6 trillion in assets under management on our platform. Last year, 2017, we added approximately 350 new advisors 
to the independent space and doubled our net new asset totals from 2012 with well over $109 billion in net new assets. And so when you look at the numbers in in and of themselves, they're truly astounding. I think that's a proxy for the independent channel. I think so too. And actually, those are very interesting statistics and we're grateful you shared them. So one of the things that I've noted is not only has there been a tremendous uptick in the number of breakaway advisors in total, but especially at the top of the food chain, the billion dollar plus advisors, if you will. I know that Schwab has been very successful in recruiting many top breakaway teams from the wirehouses and independent broker dealers in the last few years. And it's probably too many examples to mention, but could you share a couple with us where they came from and why they moved and a bit about their business? Sure. As you said, it's difficult to pick a couple. There there are so many, but there are a couple that I think come to mind that are, are representative of kind of a larger group of advisors that have made the move. So let me give you a couple examples. First of all, there's uh, Avidas Wealth Management here in the uh, in California. Team of four principals uh, managing almost exclusively ultra high net worth families and businesses. Just under a billion dollars with very aggressive growth targets. They've moved between wirehouses before. And so they were really clear with us that they only want to move one more time. And if they moved, it would be to an RIA. Now, what's interesting, they spent four years working with Schwab to plan for their launch in early 2018. They ended up leaving on very, very short notice because their previous employer announced they were leaving the broker protocol. And so they felt like they needed to move while they still had those protections. The motivation behind their move was simple. They wanted more autonomy, more support. And the flexibility of things like marketing, being able to choose their technology solutions. And so that primary driver for them was how do I make life better for the client? And secondarily, how do they brand themselves? How do they become best in class? And they drove for them, it's driven a lot through technology. But they knew they needed to be an independent to be able to make some of the decisions that were necessary to make that happen. So that's one example. And how's it gone? They've done fantastic. Very, very, very far along in their development, their brand, their website is fantastic. Their clients are saying all the right things about how much they're enjoying the space. And what I love the most is they're telling us they're enjoying this. They're having fun. It's re-energized them. So that's one example. Let me go to the East Coast, give you another example. Nachman, Norwood, and Parrot. So this is an interesting case because they left Wachovia Finet March of this year. NNP was planning firm. They offer financial cash flow, investment estate, insurance, education, planning, very, very broad-based firm with lots of advice and lots of, of value that they drive into their client relationship. The challenge here is their end clients have been moving up market. They're getting bigger. They're getting more complex. And so while they had moved to Finet to achieve the greater independence, they still found like that environment was preventing them from having the flexibility to choose the technology and the marketing and so forth that allowed them to enhance the services to their clients so that they could come up with a fully integrated top-notch technology suite. And so what's interesting about them is that that is quite possibly the fastest conversion we've ever experienced because they planned. They were ahead of the game. They didn't cut corners. They thought about their clients and were respectful 
to their previous employer. And that's a critical point. So let me clarify one thing. A move from one version of independence, so Wells Fargo Finet being an independent broker-dealer, as in this case of NNP, why would they choose to do that? What's the motivation behind it, and how does it differ? How is it better or easier than it is for someone who's a breakaway from a an employee model? Well, so I think it's different because there's a lot of firms that position themselves as being independent friendly. But in the end, they still retain a significant amount of ownership and control over the choices that the advisors normally would want to make. And so things like the technology stack and the way they market themselves, the types of services they can offer their clients, they become restricted. And so what we find is advisors that are moving to these uh, almost an intermediary form of independence quickly outgrow them. And they outgrow them because they get a taste of what having true independence is like and that that ability to be able to customize their solution set to fit their client needs. And when they run up against those kind of guardrails, they ask why that's not helpful for my clients. And so that's when they start to look for a different solution. So that's what we see a great deal. Yeah. You know, that's interesting too, because A lot of times, if you talk with a breakaway advisor, so a team that's sitting at a wirehouse or other traditional firm, and they want to go independent, the transition money that an independent broker-dealer offers, especially a firm like Wells Fargo, Finet, or LPL and the like, is often the decision maker or the reason why a team may choose to go to an independent broker-dealer versus right to an RIA. How would you respond to the notion of making an interim move, making a move to an independent broker-dealer and then moving to an RIA? Do you think that that's the path of least resistance or how would you recommend doing it? I'm not sure that I would recommend it. And here's why. What you're buying there is you're buying two transitions. If there's anything that I would say about the transition when you move to a new model, it is for a very short window of time, it can be disruptive. It certainly will require a great deal of time and energy in the planning and the execution for you and your office staff. And so doing that twice seems like a strange um, kind of trade-off. Now, I do get the idea that it feels a little safer. I'm jumping in, but I'm jumping into the shallow end, not the deep end. But really, I think what they're doing is they're taking the easy way out. Making the move to full independence is not as difficult as everybody is led to believe. And that is a great deal related to the earlier comment I made around the ecosystem of support and resources that take the heavy lifting of making a transition off your hands so that an advisor can focus on conveying the passion and the value and the story to their end clients. And so if you're taking that interim step because you believe it's going to be softer landing for you or your clients, really what you're asking for is we're going to do this again. We're going to inconvenience the clients a second time with whether that's paperwork or telling a different story. And by the way, when you tell them you're moving again, how does that story differentiate from the story you just told them? The one about moving from a full commission environment to a partially independent environment. So you have to think about the story that you're telling the advisors and you have to think about whether or not you want to disrupt the business by doing this twice. I don't think it's necessary. So I think most advisors would agree that a move to full RIA or RIA hybrid, which allows them maximum freedom and control, 
would in a perfect world be the best way to go. But the problem is many of them walk away from an awful lot of unvested deferred comp and the economics, the sometimes really sexy economics that especially the larger independent broker dealers offer can be pretty compelling. So what would you say to folks like that? Well, certainly there's a reason why they make those lucrative retention packages available. And what I would say is, is that if your primary motivation of moving into independence is simply an economic discussion, then I question whether or not independence is the right location for you. Now, certainly there are opportunities for us to be able to help advisors considering a move to, to understand the economic changes that they're going to have. There are for many a financial opportunity for them as advisors. However, if it's primarily driven on the financial benefits, those tend to be not the right opportunities for us to talk to about moving to the independent channel. I have to date myself a little bit here, Mindy, because there are those that had a great deal of vested stock and other retention packages that, depending on the timing of their move, were either worth a lot of money or worth nothing. And is that really what you want to use as the decision maker for you doing something that at the end of the day is better for your clients? And I think economically, long run, will end up being better for you as an advisor. That's actually my next question for you. How is independence better for clients? And I think I'm I'm asking a lot. I mean, one of the trends we've seen is the number of ultra high net worth focused multi-million dollar advisors who have made the leap to independence. And how specifically is that move better for the advisor and better for clients? Well, as I mentioned before, large, sophisticated advisors are finding that they are now more than ever able to build the business that reflects their values, leverages their experience, allows them the flexibility to offer products and services they believe in, and that they believe best reflects their clients' needs and interests, right? So the advisor has a lot of upside in making this transition. We also mentioned the economic. It is built in there, but again, depends on the individual situation. What advisors get out of this also is their ability to build their own brand, which is a very valuable tool when it comes to retaining clients, but also in growing their business. What I think is interesting is when we do our sophomore survey, which we send out to advisors who have completed their transitions in the previous year, and we ask them about how their business has evolved. What do they think about the independent space now that they made it? It's amazing how many of them have told us that their revenues have grown, their marketing has improved, and their business is growing faster now than ever simply because they have a better story to tell, a differentiated story to tell. So having this ability to be able to build their business in a way that markets to what they're passionate about makes a difference in the growth of their business. But you mentioned the clients. So what do clients get out of this? First and foremost, clients get an advisor who is acting as a fiduciary in a channel that is supporting fiduciary decision-making. That's different. It's a little bit sad to me that every survey that we do about with owner, high net worth, ultra high net worth individuals, that they can't articulate the differences to them as a consumer between a suitability standard and a fiduciary standard. That's an opportunity for education. But clients get the benefit of an advisor that moves into the RIA space because that RIA is signing up to act as a fiduciary. That is critically important. Now, there's other tangible benefits. Clients are able to interact with their advisors differently. How important is it that advisors are able to demonstrate an embracing of technology 
such that not only their, their clients, but that multiple generations, that next generation of wealth owners within that family who think about technology differently is able to interact with that advisor in a way that is comfortable to them. That enables them to not only retain the clients, but able to grow those clients because now I don't have to come in and sit in that old mahogany office anymore. I can interact with you via Skype. I can interact with you via text. I can do things that I couldn't do before. Independence allows advisors that flexibility. And you mentioned technology. So can you talk a little bit about how technology has evolved in the independent space and has it kept pace and or exceeded what's available to advisors in the traditional space? So advisors want technology, pure and simple, that delivers the flexibility and scalability to help their firms grow, help them compete, be able to stay active and relevant in this digital space, and in front of these evolving client expectations. In the independent space, technology enables advisors to serve those complex needs in a far more sophisticated and customized ways than they could in the traditional space. Listen, if you're, if you're working within a broker-dealer, that broker-dealer, because it has to manage the risks and the liabilities of having infinite decisions, and so they manage those risks by limiting choices. Now, they try to do so in a way that's going to enable the majority of those advisors to be successful, but they're not all going to be the right choices. And in that captive environment, you're limiting those advisors that are looking for more flexibility. You're limiting their choice. So at Schwab, our technology solutions focus on open architecture. Why? Well, because we can't be all things to all people. So we want to be a partner to those in the industry that can be very specific best-in-class solutions. It's critical, though, for all advisors to understand that going forward, you don't get to opt out of digital solutions. To be successful, you can't sit on the sidelines when it comes to the adoption of these new technologies. So the traditional space is trying to solve that, and it's hard. The independent space allows far greater flexibility. That flexibility enables independent advisors to create a best-in-class solution for both them and their clients. How do you think about the need for service providers like Dynasty Financial Partners or Hightower Advisors with respect to the folks that don't have the desire to build something from scratch, meaning they want to be independent, but they are overwhelmed or don't have a desire to build something and then manage something wholeheartedly. So do you find a lot of folks utilizing service providers like that? And do you have a way of thinking about who should use them and who shouldn't? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Mindy. First of all, advisors tell us they need more decision support. So there's a lot of advisors out there, a lot of providers out there that help advisors thinking about making a move, determine what flavor of independence is best for you. At Schwab, we've invested heavily in collaborating with advisors to make critical decisions that allow them to determine what kind of business they want to build, right? So what that means for a great deal of them is I need some support. I need a partner that's going to help me make that transition. So it's now easier than ever to be able to find firms that are catering to that. You know, you think about pioneers like Sheryl and Elliot. They have done so much for the independent space because they have such tremendous experience in working in different you know, wealth management solutions, and they've chosen to support independence. I think that's a huge 
enabler for people when they're trying to determine, well, gosh, how do you know? Well, they know what the right solutions are. And so it's great to have them out. They're very evangelical around what the independent space looks like. So for us, we recently put a commission to survey. It's called the Spectrum of Independent Survey, where we asked potential clients of Schwab's that are considering independence, their degree of interest in leveraging an existing firm or a platform provider and so forth. It was interesting, Mindy, nearly 50% of them responded from a moderate to strong interest in going independent with some level of support that speaks to the dynasty models, that, that speaks to the high tower models. So now more than ever, they've become mainstream. That's critical for all of us. Yeah. And I also think it when we talk about factors that have really driven the momentum in the breakaway movement, it has a lot to do with the fact that these service providers were born. That even if an advisor doesn't ultimately choose to use one, the fact that they're there took away a lot of the overwhelm and the fear of getting from here to there. And so I think that they've done a good thing for everybody. I, I agree with you. Yeah. So let me pivot to something. So... Every potential breakaway advisor worries about a couple of things. You know, will this momentum continue? Is it a fad? So what happens in a bear market? What happens if recruiting deals in the wirehouse world, the transition deals go back up to high watermarks? Um, what happens if protocol goes away? How do you see potential changes in the industry impacting advisors going independent? Well, I guess... The benefit of being in this industry for as long as that I have, Mindy, is, is that we've been through every one of those market conditions. What I would say is, is that we have experienced this accelerating pace over the last few years. There hasn't been a time where we are the, the movement to independence has gone stagnant. We have been growing this business year after year after year. So for the last, what, 11 years in my current role, Every year, we are growing the advisors entering this space year over year. And so that spans, I mean, look at it, spans the financial crisis. It spans some pretty hefty things where you see those payments going up and the payments going down and the advent of protocol and the elimination of protocol. And, and so we've been there, done that. You know, as I like to point out to people that I think are overemphasizing the impact that some of the firms exiting the protocol may have to our transition. We were moving people to the independent space before the protocol was ever signed. And so we were there every year since then. Non-protocol firms, advisors from those firms have moved to the independent channel. And so while I do think that there are temporary issues that impact the pace, those are truly just temporary. The movement to independence because of why people are moving, that's longstanding. That's going to last. So – we saw a little bit of movement hold up a little bit for the end of fourth quarter, first quarter, while people tried to understand the impact of some of those firms leaving protocol. And now we're back to that traditional pace of things accelerating again. People just wanted to see. So I don't think that's going to be anything other than temporary. Nothing long term is going to change this movement. I would agree with you, actually. Let me ask you one last question, Tim, because we've taken enough of your time. What advice would you offer prospective breakaways about preparedness, meaning those thinking about going independent, what are the things they should worry about or not worry about? So it's a great question. We actually get that question a lot as we engage advisors considering the move to independence. And what they often say is, what should I be asking? What don't I know? 
And what we try to help them understand is, is that planning is critical. Don't cut corners. There's a certain choreography that is respectful to your clients, respectful to your current employer, respectful to your office mates. You don't want to cut corners to that choreography. For example, you don't need to take information with you. In fact, restrictive covenants prevent you from doing so. Don't try. All you're going to do is invite scrutiny that ultimately could be a bigger factor to your success than anything else. So make sure you understand what that choreography is. How do you do that? Good legal representation. Also, choose a partner that has the experience of doing this a lot. You don't want somebody stepping into this and saying, oh, yeah, we moved three teams last year. That's not enough to create a, a foundation of experience. Experience matters. What I would say you don't have to worry about is clients buy trust. And so if you have a trusted relationship with your clients, they won't easily leave that behind. So clients move with you. This sophomore survey, I mentioned many that, that we ask 87% of the clients that an advisor had before they made the transition, transitioned in the first year. Now, when you think about that, you think, well, 87% is a pretty good number. Well, for many, they use it as an opportunity to cull their book a little bit, to find out who's really a good client, not a good client. And so there's a little bit of that planned attrition they see. So don't worry about a client's following you. They'll follow you. Just make sure that you are adhering to the legal standards. We can help with that. There's a lot of attorneys can help with that. A lot of people that are interested in making sure that you have the choice to move. But you want to do so in a way that is professional. Clients buy trust. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, you know, when you think about um, what somebody is asking an advisor to do, they are asking them to look out for their best interest and they are trusting that they are doing so. After all, think about trust, providing somebody access to your retirement funds, your ability to be able to fund your lifestyle. I can't think of many things that require a greater obligation of trust. And so when somebody is advising a client, that client is already saying, I trust you. I am paying you for that trust. The returns we hear time and again, secondary. The issues that people think are important are secondary to the trust component. And so if I own trust, I'm going wherever that trusted individual leaves. I'm, I'm following them. Got it. Tim, thank you very, very much. This was incredibly helpful. And we are grateful for your insights and your time. Thank you, Mindy. Always great speaking with you. Tim shared some really sage thoughts about independence, but one nugget that I feel is of the greatest importance to those considering this space. Clients value trust above all else. Having that trust is what's key to both the success of a move and ongoing growth of a business. In our next episode, we'll look at what it takes for you to live what we call your best business life. So I hope you'll join us. Until then, I encourage you to visit our website, diamond-consultants.com, and click on the tools and resources link for valuable content. And if you're not already a recipient of our weekly email, Perspectives for Advisors, click on the blog link to browse recent articles. Feel free to email or call me if you have specific questions. I can be reached at 
879-1002 or at mdiamond at diamond-consultants.com. Please note that all requests are handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. I thank you for listening. I also want to thank wealthmanagement.com for sharing this podcast with their viewers and subscribers. This is Mindy Diamond on Independence. Independence.